Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Just Around the Corner. I'm Dan. I'm a Dave here on 4680Q, downtown Niagara Falls. And today's show is sponsored by our friends at Lupos Little Italy here in Niagara Falls, located at the Morrison Street Plaza, Canadian Tire Plaza, I should say, on Morrison Street here in the falls. And uh, it's a food truck. You're going to uh, notice it as soon as you drive through. Beautiful design by our friends at Tampa <laughs> Creative Group. Uh, that's Lupo's Little Italy. And they're sponsoring for the entire month of May and June now. Thank you, John Franco, for offering to uh, be the sponsor for June shows as well. And one of the things we're going to start today is if you go online to www.luposlittleitaly.com. That's Italy, not Italy.com. A little play on words there. And you order food, type in the word greedy souls, all one word, G R E E D Y, souls, all one word, lowercase, and you will get 15% off. So type that into the little area that says promotional code. Apply the code and you'll get 15% off your next order. So that's Lupo's Little Italy here in Niagara Falls. Thanks for sponsoring our show. Our guests today are two great guys I like to consider friends. They hail from Southern California, guitarist and one of my favorite songwriters, Mr. Jason Heath, and the master of the keyboard and the accordion, Mr. Jason Federici from one of the best bands, Light of Day, has introduced me to over the years. Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. Really looking forward to chatting with these guys. And next week, our pal. The Prince of Asbury Park, Mr. Bobby Mahoney, who just played uh, a set, a 30-minute set down uh, in Tonawanda about eh, nine or ten days ago. Me and Evan and uh, Isabella went out there to check them out. Great show. Uh, just They were just around the corner, pun intended, from us. And I uh, thought we'd get, run out there and see those guys. Evan got up and jump, uh, jumped up and played with them a little bit. And he's going to be here next week. But this time it's going to be on a Wednesday. 
Uh, it's going to be Wednesday night at 6.30 because Bobby, he's a busy dude. He's got a lot going on with his uh, teaching and his music and everything else. And now he's a he's a newlywed still. So lots going on in his life. So uh, he, he fit me in at 6.30 next Wednesday. Really looking forward to that. My guest host that night will be Evan Rotelic. Evan's his protege. So I'm going to have my adopted American son and my son on the show so that'll be that'll be fun uh these next guys uh, jason heath and jason federici uh, i met these guys back in 2011 at the stone pony at the light of day uh the friday night show that they do it's always a great show you got grushecki and willie nile and jesse mallon and and these guys were uh, one of the uh bands that were on early on and uh man did i just become a, a great great or a great big fan of these guys uh their set blew me away and this particular song uh was the one that really really pulled me in and uh, later that night we were backstage and we all would go backstage at the stone pony and have a drink and talk to the the artist and so on and uh, i was chatting it up with uh, the drummer of uh, the greedy souls we were just talking and having beers and and uh, i was telling him a little bit about light of day and uh, jason federici uh, was sitting at the end of the bar and his father is the legendary late great phantom dan federici from the east street band and uh, he introduced me to him i said hey do you mind introducing me to jason and he did and then he introduced me to uh, the lead singer jason Heath. he stopped by we just chatted a little bit i told him a little bit about light of day canada and uh you know, as a joke, I said, well, you guys want to you want to come up and play Light of Day Canada one day, make the trek from Cali all the way to Niagara to do our show. And I just la- I, I laughed. They said, sure, we'd love to do it. And, you know, I just figured out ah, two guys that are, you know, they're just being nice, being kind, saying, yeah, we'll do it and probably won't uh, hear from them. Well, lo and behold, I did. And a couple of years later, they did. They played Light of Day Canada, uh, Light of Day Niagara Falls. Uh, I think they might have played up in Toronto as well for that first show. Uh, great, great, great bunch of guys. Uh, they've played several shows. Uh, they've been coming back ever since, and hopefully we'll get them for the new show. So here's one of the songs from that first set uh, at the Stone Pony, the one that made me an instant fan. This one's called Far Rock Away. It's from the album Vain Hope of Horse. Here's Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. Special guest, Nels Klein from Wilco.
What a great song. 
You're listening to Just Around the Corner on Niagara's Internet Radio, 4680Q. I'm Dan and Dave, and I was Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls with Far Rockaway, the one that got me started being a Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. Big fan, and uh, that's from the album The Vain Hope of Horse. Today we got the two Jasons, Jason Heath and Jason Federici on the line. Now let's see if we can get them both there all the way down here in California. I don't know if they got good reception. You boys there? Hey, yes. I can hear you both. Now, this is the first time we've, we've ever had two people on a call at once, so this is this is just groundbreaking for me. <laughs> we're wearing a very large pair of overalls, and we're in it together. <laughs> and if you knew these guys, you, you could really see this happening. <laughs> you could see this happening. It is Tuesday, after all. <laughs> how's, how's Tuesday in Southern California? Where exactly are you? Are you in Los Angeles? Right now we're in Hollywood. You're Los not- Angeles, yes. Okay. All right. I always, I always wondered if you're actually there or if you're, like, on the outskirts or somewhere. No, we're we're in the heart of it all. Yeah, soaking in it. <laughs> so, I've been telling everybody uh, for the last few weeks about all these. Well, actually, since I started doing these shows, about how I go down to Asbury Park and I, and you know, we come back and there's always a couple bands that you you catch on to when you're down there. And the first time I went down there, it was it was you guys, and it was it was. One of the one of the best uh, things that's happened through uh, Light of Day was meeting you guys and bringing you down here, and really appreciate you guys coming oh, thanks, up here. Dave. No, I appreciate all you guys do. Um, now we got a lot to get to, um, and one of the things I ask all the uh, artists, and you know, some of them are you know really good friends with, and others not so much, but um, I want to find out. You know, I do I do my research, I do my uh, deep dive into everyone on Google. I didn't find a lot, but one of the things I realized while I was doing is I didn't really know your backstory that well. Can you guys tell me, like, how did you guys get both get started in music, and then how did you connect? Well, individually, how we started with music, I, I started writing songs accidentally when I was a young, when I was probably about thirteen years old. My brother and his friend who played the guitar, who actually taught me how to play guitar, were writing a song in, in the bedroom. I was, you know, like I said, 12 or 13 years old, and they were probably 17, 18. And they couldn't think of the lyrics, so I kept telling them what words rhymed with others. <laughs> and I realized I kind of had a knack for it. And they were like, man, you're really good at this. So then I learned guitar because I was a songwriter first before I could play anything. Okay. And then I, you know, I, le- I learned to play guitar, and then I, you know, I was, I found the Ramones and, and, and I realized I could do it because all I needed was three chords and attitude. <laughs> That's true. And so, so then I formed a band, but I didn't even know how to really play too well. But my my drummer, who you spoke about in the intro, that you met, he chose drums, I chose guitar, and then another guy chose bass, and we learned how to play together. So and you guys knew we, each other way way before. Like at an early age, you and the drummer. Yeah, we knew each other from grade school. Okay, okay. And then, and then, you know, Jay and I met years later, but you know, I hadn't really learned how to play much better by the time I met him. <laughs> but I'd written a lot of songs in the interim, and and uh, I'll let Jay tell this part of the story, but it's 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 kind of similar. Um, I started playing for the first time when I got I went to boarding school in New Hampshire. Right. And. Uh, we were bored up there, as you are, and um, 
I had a little keyboard in my room, and somebody's like, hey, will you play in our band? And I was like, well, sure. And I, part of the reason I wanted to is because um, they, they, you could get time out. Like, instead of having to study, I had to study from, like, 8 to 10. But if you, we started a little school band, and they let us go practice from 8 to 10. Oh, instead. So I was like, oh, this is much better. <laughs> so, yeah, we did that, started playing, which was a lot of fun. And... Um, and then, yeah, with Jason, I moved to California from New Jersey in 1992. And uh, Heath and I met around maybe 94 or something like that. Maybe even early. And we, we were renting bicycles and rollerblades on the beach in Venice, which was a lot of fun. Very cool. And Jason had a punk band, and I used to go see them play all the time. And then uh, years later... Um, his keyboard player left, and I happened to be knocking on the door. He asked me to play accordion on a song he just wrote. And so when his keyboard player left, I kind of filled that spot and never left. Really? So you guys have been together quite some time and, uh, now. Over 20 years now. 20 years? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, had a, he had a little toy accordion. I said, can you play that thing? He said, I don't know. And he, he squeezed it a couple of times and said, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of come by it naturally, I would assume. Like, was that something, like, were you predestined to play the keys and the accordion? Well, my grandmother was training me to be my father when I was a kid. So we had an <laughs> organ upstairs, and she used to force me to do organ lessons. Um. And I guess because I was made to do it as a little kid, as soon as I didn't have to, I was like, I don't know that anymore. <laughs> That's right. You know? But it turns out I can kind of, I have a good ear for music, so I, I can play what I hear easier than maybe other people. So that's been helpful. Yeah, he has, he has a very natural ability, Dave, as you know. Yes. I agree, I... but he's, he's probably got the most natural ear for for hooks and, and, and melody lines that work well with with my stuff than anybody I've, I've ever heard. But I was going to say, you guys are a good team. You obviously teamed up. Now, just to backtrack, uh, Mr. Federici, you said something about Mr. Heath in a punk band. What was this band there, Jay? I got it. I'm trying, yeah, to, I'm trying um, to picture it. They were called Spinewire. And, yeah, they were definitely a punk band, man, kicking over television sets and <laughs> yelling into the mic. It was a good time. It was... This was the nineties, man. This was you know, this is that's how I met Morello. Uh, I, okay, I yeah. A, I was playing at a club which is now called the Viper Room. Everybody's heard by Johnny Depp and the world yep. famous Viper Room. Before it was the Viper Room, it was called Club Dump, or it was called the Central. And the night I played was Club Dump, and I played with a band. There used to be a band uh, called Liquid Jesus, okay, out, out of L.A. that I, I liked a lot. And there, there was a side project. And the guitar player and uh, the bass player and the guitar player and Liquid Jesus was roommates with Tom Morello, so they were at the show. And ironically, we had a song called "The Machine," which and so we kind of <laughs> were like this. At, at the time, the bands in, in Hollywood it was still hair bands, so right. we were one of the few bands around that were playing like a hardcore music. It was a hybrid between uh, Ministry, Public Enemy, and Black Sabbath. Really, <laughs> sort of, kind of what we were doing with Dead Kennedys type lyrics. Super political, and Tom saw that, and he was like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta open for my band. Who's your band?" He said, "Rage Against the Machine." I said, "Never heard of them." <laughs> Little did I know, but their record hadn't come out. So we were trying to get to clubs all over 
Hollywood, and Tom was like, uh, I said, look, I'm trying to get to play these different venues. He said, well, just call them up. You know, this is back in the day. There was no email. You had to leave messages. He said, right. just tell them you're a friend of mine. And there were venues out, you know, that were hot in town that had been trying to get into for six months, calling everybody, not getting one call back. I called them all one night. And I said, hey, I'm a friend of Tom Morello's. You the next in. day, every single one of them called me back. <laughs> and I called them, Tom, I said, who the hell are you? <laughs> what is this? Little did you know. Sorcery wheel. Uh, and then, of course, their record came out about six months later, and they, they blew up. What year was that? And then that band, Spinewire, Tom Morello actually produced the first record of Spinewire because he was such a big fan. Really? They used to come down from rehearsal and see us play. And so you and, you and Morello go way back, too. Yeah, yeah. It's been a 30-year friendship. Wow. Okay, see, these are things. I said there's there's going to, I said to Evan before I left. I said there's going to be a lot that I'm going to learn today, and which has been really cool doing these shows. I've learned a lot about guys that I know really yeah, well. Yeah, that's cool. But you know, I, I I didn't realize that you and Morello and uh, uh, you guys go way back. Now I know on that first album, I love. By the way, I love that first album. I it's a it's just a, an incredible record. That song, The Landlord. I've I've been playing it like straight this last week as I've been deep diving into my uh, uh, greedy soul stuff, but. You had three really big hitters on that album. You had Tom Morello, you had Wayne Kramer from MC5, and Nels Klein, who I did not realize was in Wilco. How'd, yeah. you, how'd you get all these guys on? That's pretty cool. Well, they, well obviously you know Morello. Tom was, like I said, was my a friend, and so was Nels. I'd known Nels for a long time. Uh, back in the early 90s, even before I met Tom, I worked at a record label in the mailroom. They were called Mesa Blue Moon. And they were a subsidiary of Rhino Records, like a jazz label. Okay. And they distributed a German independent label called Enger Records that had Nels on there. They signed him and put out his first record. And I heard it, and I was just blown away. It was the most. It's called Silencer. If you can find that record, it's amazing. It's like what Jimi Hendrix would be doing if he had lived and played with uh, Miles Davis. Really. Um, so I was blown away, and then he would come into the label because he lived in Los Angeles, and we became friends, and then he, he would need records for his shows, and he was a little short on money, so I would give him the five-finger discount out of the mail room <laughs> and then go to see his shows. And, and I wound up taking a lot of people to see him, like uh, Tom Morello and Stone Gossard from Pro. Take people out there to, to see Nels. And uh, so when I came time to do the first Greedy Souls record, uh, which was sort of like Jay and I were in another band called the Telegenic, which was not too far from what we're doing now, more of like a Springsteen meets the Clash type of thing. Okay. Um, we had a bunch of acoustic stuff that didn't really fit the band. I had these songs, and I thought, well, I'll just do them another way. It's, we'll make a record that would just be nothing but acoustic sounds. That was the rule. Uh, and that wound up becoming Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. So I... I invited Nels down to play on it, and he, of course, he brought an electric lap steel, so I'm not going to tell him no. He, the rule is all acoustic. <laughs> I said, of course, yeah, whatever. And he just, he's, you know, as you can hear yeah. the work he does all over that record, he's just, um, he's a, such an amazing talent. So that was cool, and then I, you know, I asked Tom, of course, he played on it, and then I, at that time, I was, you know, had become sober, and uh, Wayne Kramer was my sponsor. Oh! Fascinating story. But, I asked him to play, and then uh, that's how we got all three of those guys on the record. And then that, that you know, was just a few demos that turned into a record that turned into a band to 
turned into history, Dave. Yes, it did. And and <laughs> so you you guys uh, obviously prior to this, um, you know, you guys have been sober for a long time. I know you guys are tea drinkers when you come down here. And so uh, when how long have you guys both been uh, sober? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, I have 11 years, and I'm not sure what he said these days. 17 years. That's fantastic. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. Thanks. Now, the other... The Best other. What's that? Best decision we ever made. Yeah, it's funny. I know as I get older, you know, I, you, you need it less and less. It's like, ah, it's not that not that big a deal. And if you do have a couple the next day, you're like, I probably shouldn't have had those last night. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Starting well, to get to that point you know, myself. If you don't have a problem with it, nothing wrong with doing it, right? No, exactly, but I, I know because I come from a, uh, a long line of alcoholism in our family, so I definitely know how that one goes. Now, the album name, I, I think I've always wanted to ask you this, and I never did. The Vain Hope of Horse. I, I don't get it. I <laughs> just don't. So where did that come from? Well, Maybe most, I just don't. Most of my themes are, you know, what I like to write about are themes of justice, and that's not necessarily political justice. It's, you know, could be... You know, the, the sort of equality we deal in relationships and the justice we deal ourselves and in, in our consciousness. But always, a lot of times it does take on uh, social justice themes. And, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of American foreign policy, to say the least. Right. Um, but there's a line in the Bible. It talks about, uh, in Psalms, I forget the exact Bible verse, but it says, the vain hope of horse, uh, you know, to, to, it talks about how they'll be saved by their faith in God as opposed to the vain hope of horse of the other armies, because at the time the horse was the, uh, was the tank of the day, right? Gotcha. So even though they had more horses, they had a vain hope of horse. Yeah. So uh, that's where that Okay, I've, I've always want. I've always wondered, and... Uh... I'm you glad you asked that, Dave, because I've also always <laughs> wondered but never asked the question. You're kidding I just me. I assumed it was something. Which I, <laughs> which it was. Usually, but, well, oftentimes it'll be nothing, too, so you're, you're safe to bet I, I, it's nonsensical. <laughs> Hey, Jay, huh. Mr. Federici, so I wanted to tell you this story. Uh, I'm not sure if I ever I ever told you this. Uh, my father-in-law, he passed a little, uh, about six, actually six months ago. And uh, Sorry, uh, no, it, 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 he, you know, he suffered. Uh, he, he had a form of Parkinson's too. But uh, I remember one day I was, uh, you know, he, he's not, he's Italian, like an old old school Italian, listened to Tarantellas and stuff like that. That's what he listened to, polkas. He had he had an accordion, he, and he could play. He, he could play. He, gave, he ended up leaving it for Evan. But um, one day I'm downstairs at my house, and I've got uh, Bruce in Barcelona on the TV, so quite a few years ago. And he comes <laughs> walking down. Normally he calls it noise, and... Just as the time he came down the stairs, there's the phantom holding on to the accordion. And my father-in-law walks up behind me and he sits down and he goes, we have the accordion and Bruce Springsteen? I said, sure, Pa. I said, uh, you know, he's been playing for 20 years. And he sat down and he watched. And after that, he became a fan thanks to your dad. So yeah. your father turned an old Italian man into a Bruce Springsteen fan. He'd always want to see. He'd always want to see that the clip. The accordion has magic powers, Dave. Like, it does. It does. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I always people know that. And I always remember when you and you, the both of you guys, came and you played on the acoustic stage and you did Fourth uh, of July Asbury Park. And man, 
That was mm. just a just a beautiful moment. Your dad was one yeah, of a kind, my true. friend. He left uh, he left behind a great legacy and a great sound with that E Street Band. Indeed, yep. He did. So, I want to talk about Light of Day and and you know your your guys' involvement in it uh, over the years. Uh, before we do though, I just want to do a, I want to take a a little musical interlude. When you guys came down that year, uh, I think it was two thousand and twelve. Uh, you guys had just put out. That's about uh, right. Yeah, I think you guys had just put out "Packed for Exile," and uh, still one of my favorite albums. And uh, I always loved this song. This was actually the first song that uh, Evan actually ever learned to play with the Greedy Souls. He plays quite a few, but this is the first one he wanted to play, and uh, it's one of my favorites. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little something for everybody out there from one of my favorite albums, "Packed for Exile." Here's Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls with number one with a bullet. Cheers. 
You're listening to Just Around the Corner on 4680Q Niagara's internet radio station, sponsored today by our friends at Lupo's Little Italy on Morrison Street in Niagara Falls by the Canadian Tire. That was Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls with number one with a bullet from the album Pack for XL. We got them back here on the line. You guys there? Hey, there. Uh, that was a pretty good song you guys did there. Thanks. <laughs> we, it was so good, we did it twice. <laughs> you did we it twice. We recorded it twice, didn't we? we yes. Versions of that song. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of songs I've noticed on Spotify. There was another one that you guys uh, redid, or is this the one I was thinking about that you just released about uh, in 2020? We read, there's a, two versions of Devil Ain't Talking. Mm. That's right, it was Devil Ain't Talking. That's right. That we add horns, and it's called The Devil Still Ain't Talking. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. And you, and your videos. Who do who does your videos? You do. You guys have great videos. Is that something? Because I know you guys are creative. I know you guys are in the creative arts. Like, is that something, Jason Federici? You you put together. I am a filmmaker and an editor, and I have done a couple of the videos. And we have another friend of ours, Yorn. Um, how do you say his last name? Van Oostende. Van Oostende. He's done a couple. <laughs> Um, we have the, yeah, we're part of the Dutch cartel. We yeah. have two, two Dutch, very talented Dutchmen, also Rudolf Becker. There. Oh, no, yeah. they're, they're uh, always interesting. And also, my sister's husband is an animator for Pixar, and he's done a couple of videos for us. And, really? And stuff. So. Very cool. We, we know a, very, a lot of very talented people, and Jay's very talented, so, you know, we... Yeah, no, you're not hard for us to. If you guys are out there listening, uh, go to YouTube and uh, search for uh, Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. There's some really cool videos out there. Love, love the work you guys did. And and I wanted before I before I forget and we get into light of day and a few other things. um, Wanted to thank you guys for you know uh, lending your talents to uh, Ev's new album. I really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time and doing that. Absolutely, that means a lot. I've always been a fan. He's incredibly talented, and it's you know it's a lot of fun to watch him grow. I mean, the first time I met him, I think he came up to about my kneecap, and he was playing yeah. in the lobby of the uh, Magician's Theater. There. <laughs> I remember that theater. like it was yesterday. Well, we got a nice picture. Go ahead. What's that? No, I was just going to say we have a nice picture on the wall with the four of you guys from the band back then, oh, with nice. Evan and one of his buddies. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, well, and you know, the album sounds great. It's getting there. We're, we were in the studio last night finishing off uh, the last four songs, just adding piano and some harmonies and stuff. And, yeah, it's been a long ride, but it's uh, it's going to be cool when it's done. But, you know, he – honestly, he grew up in Light of Day. He grew up, you know, his first show, he was yeah. three. And so he got to know all of you guys, Grushecki and Derso. And, you know, as soon as we talked about a new album, he, you know – you think anybody would play on it? And I was like, well, I'll give them a call. And you guys were one of the ones he chose because you've always been a Rotella boy's favorite band. So uh, we love your songwriting and your music. So I really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you on there. Uh, thanks. So it's an honor to, to do it. And, and thanks for asking. Well, you guys, sure. you guys got big souls. Now, I want to not just greedy souls. You got big, good souls. You're not, you're not greedy souls. You guys do a lot for the community. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna talk about a lot of that. But I, I want to start with light of day in Asbury. So you know, I did see you. I think that was your first time down there when I when we saw you. I'm not sure. You can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But when we saw you down at the Pony, um, like how did you get involved with that? Who who contacted who, and how did you get involved with light of day Asbury? 
that was through Joe Durso. Oh, we uh, we were out there promoting the record, and we you know they we were, have been getting played there at uh, what's the name of the station? I can't think of it. Jersey. Got me. Uh, at the college there, that, yeah. that, that uh, Jeff Rasp and it's got letters. It starts with a W. JBJ. Anyway, it's sort of the NPR station out there. We were in there doing an interview, and I think it was Jeff who said, "You know, Joe Durso does this thing over at you know Light of Day. You guys should call him and see if you can be a part of it." And so we called him and. I don't think we did it that time, but then the next time we came back out, Joe had asked us to do the, the pony. And uh, that's how we found out about it. That's we got, and then that's when we met you. you. You mentioned that the Canadian, and we were all into touring then, and any excuse to go play somewhere, <laughs> and, and especially, I mean, we, we'll, we always, like, if we're going to play and we can do it for charity or, or to help raise awareness for something or cause, that's kind of just the ethos of our band is, is to do that. Like, you know, we're going to we're gonna get on a stage to do it for something we believe in and help out it is, is kind of what we believe in and, and what we do. So yeah, well, it sounded like a fantastic I cause, was... and, and it is. I was shocked that you when we were chatting that you, you know, you know. It, normally people will say, "Yeah, we'd love to play your show," and then you, know, you never hear from them, right? That's okay. I mean, that's you know, in passing, you say things, but he, darn it, you guys actually did. A couple of years later, you guys in 2012, you you guys came to uh, Niagara for. I think you've played Light of Day six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and you did the virtual one, number twelve. So you guys have been a a big part of Light of Day. And what do you guys do? You normally when you're come when you come up, do you plan like a tour to kind of uh, get you up here? Yeah, mo- yeah. Most of the time we tour we toured over. So we would we would set up gigs all the way across and radio stations, and then get to Niagara and do you know do the tour with you guys, which is always fantastic. And then usually head down the East Coast and make our way back. Well, I, yeah, we're we're the go-to. We're DIY, right? You <laughs> don't have a booking agent. Yeah, do it uh, yourself. So we, we just did it all ourselves, and we still do. I mean, you know, the pandemics put put the kibosh on that, but we're we got a new record, so we'll we'll be out there again. We're getting ready to go and do it again, probably around the end of this year. Or so. Well, that's good because um, you know I'm. I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag. We just found out we've we booked our headliner. It looks like October 28th, Light of Day Canada wow. is resurrected, guys. So, just so you know, I'm just we'll saying, throwing it out there. All right. Well, start packing. Well, you guys, <laughs> fact for exile. So, you guys made a lot of fans out here. The Julie Grants. Hopefully, she's listening right now. And one of those one of those uh, fans, uh, and I know you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Back in 2012, I can still picture them. You were, uh, we were, you were standing out front signing uh, CDs. Actually, no, I'm thinking of 2018 when you guys, uh, we were at the Seneca. So that was the last time Soside Johnny uh, played here. That was our actual last live show. You were, you guys were on the bill with Durso and Bobby Mahoney, oh, and yeah. you were out yeah. there signing. And you had, I think you had vinyl at the time, and there, there he was, Frankie Spatz. 
metaphor standing yeah. there with his vinyl waiting for you to sign everything. And I, he was a big fan. When he passed away, his, his brother had me come over and go through his records and stuff. And there was uh, quite a few uh, Jason Heath and the Greedy Soul signed CDs and albums. So you made some big fans out this way, my friends. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a great uh, guy. And uh, rest in peace. Yeah, sorry to... Nah, he's, he would, he'd be loving these Frank, shows. So. He'd be loving all this stuff and, and listening to you guys. And... Uh, so you guys did a light of day six here. That was the first time you came. And that was Southside Johnny headlining. And then our very last live show, we haven't done a live show since, in 2018, you were here. And Southside was the uh, headliner again. You guys got a little something going on there with uh, Mr. Johnny Lyon. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, uh, yeah. Were you? did you know him beforehand? I mean, I'm just... You know, I'm just making assumptions because, you know, your father was with the E Street Band. Like, did you guys know Southside at all? Or? Yeah, I, I always was growing up, even on the West Coast. Yeah, I, you know, those early albums that he came out with, I still, like, I love Sunday mornings and put on, like, a Southside Johnny album and play both sides. It's just awesome, man. It was so, you know. Oh, yeah. And those... it's so Jersey and. Yeah, awesome, and you're dancing and singing along to that stuff. But the did you actually know him? Did, did you get to um, know him at I all? I didn't have his number in my phone, but uh, <laughs> we said hello. Okay, that's, I was wondering. I just wondering. That was the first time I met him when we played with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in a, he was in a good mood the first one. The second one, not so much. But yeah. There's a lot of South Side stories out there. <laughs> interesting <laughs> fellow. He's an interesting guy. Maybe we'll get him on the show one day. I'm sure he'll say, who in the hell is that guy? And he won't yeah. <laughs> But you know, it, seriously though, if you guys are available the end of the end of October, we should we should check. Cause really love to have you guys back out this way for uh, for the next one as we uh, resurrect this thing, man. So during COVID, here's a question I wanted to ask. Not even on my sheet, but what, what you guys do down there in uh, Cali during lockdowns and when everything was shut down? Were you guys in your own bubble? Were you working on music? Like, what were you doing down there? Yeah, we had some bubbles going on. We started a little uh, beach brigade for a while. Uh, me, Jason, and Wayne Kramer and family and friends would go down to the beach with our umbrellas. <laughs> and we had a, a, a boogie board crew. Okay. So that, that happened. Um, <laughs> we, we actually finished, we had finished recording our record at, right around the time the pandemic started. And then we... We finished mixing it and mastering and all that during the first six months or so. And then we shot a video, which I, I know you've, you've seen it, which is uh, the uh, Children's Chains and Razor Wire video. But we did yeah. that on, on green screen. Even We were in the same room, but not all of us at the same time. Gotcha. It was still really at the beginning of that when nobody, yeah. people were super, you know, fearful and weren't aware of a lot of things, I think. Uh, and it was in the world's smallest room, too. It was in our friend's bedroom. <laughs> and he had to put the camera in his kitchen. Oh, you kidding? Just so you get the distance. <laughs> it was done. Anyway. But it came out great. You know, like they, it, it, oh, yeah, it, it did. I didn't know it was so, all on green screen. So, you know, we were like everyone else. We didn't know how long it was going to last. And we were thought, well, well, we'll release it. And then, well, you know, maybe it'll, it'll be done. The pandemic. And then it went on longer than as everyone knows and remembers. And then, you know, for us, to we, we thought about releasing it, but we really think it's a pretty powerful record. 
And for us, you know, being indie and doing everything ourselves, if we can't tour behind it and we can't capitalize on going to the record stations that are the radio stations that are playing it and, and getting at least every ounce of juice that we can get out of it, it doesn't make any sense for us to release it. So we kind of just been sitting. And then we we normally release our records with through Wayne Kramer's label, and their sort of business went through a shift during the time where the label was kind of like defunct, right. and it was more of a licensing house so we're just kind of up in the air of what of how we're releasing it right now we're still trying to iron all that out and then we figured we'd just wait release it right before we went on tour which is probably going to be in the fall so 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 it'll be a fall release we get some new jason heath beautiful perfect there's a lot of good new music coming out there's uh, this kid named evan rotella he's doing one you guys joe grushek he's got a new album coming out shortly i don't know if he's waiting till um September or not, but yeah, I know he just finished his too, and I think that's what a lot of people did. There's just a lot of a lot of people recording and writing during COVID, you know, probably yeah, making we've babies been, we've too. We've been writing yeah. as well, so we're we're getting ready. We're actually recording the next record now. So really, getting ready to start. So there's because now you've yeah. got four full length albums, right? So this will be your fifth. Because I don't want to make that's I want to make sure I'm not missing. We're writing the sixth. Yeah. Okay, all right. I want to make sure I'm missing it. I think that's right. And it'll be it'll be coming out on vinyl, right? I always ask you the same question. <laughs> yeah, I believe it will be. Okay. The, the, if, our, if our fan demands it. <laughs> well, this fan <laughs> demands it. You know I always do. I, I need I need a copy of uh, Vain Hope Force too <laughs> in vinyl if you can make one of those. Too. I understand. I know a guy. Yeah, I, I think we're going to do yeah, – we're going to go back. And re, we remastered – did some, uh, some remixing and remastering of Vain Hope of Horse. Oh, you did? So we're going to re-release Just that. kidding. Sounds a lot better. And then we were doing some remixing, remastering of Pack for Exile. Um, Perfect. So probably when we release those, depending on where we decide where it's going to happen, if they want any of the back catalog or not, or we'll just put it out ourselves. Oh, beautiful. I mean, I think we're going to pack... Uh, Vain Hope of Horus is getting close to its... I think it's 15-year anniversary. Right, you figure it's so been... Do a, when was it? Re-release of that as well. What year was it? I think 2008. So. 2008. Yeah, there you it go. Yeah, so this is 15 years, right? That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Well, you got to get on that nice, you know, nice packaging, and it's. I got. I know yeah, a guy that down. One, that one remix will sound really nice on vinyl. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely sound good. Now, one of the things that intrigued me about you guys was like your songwriting. I'm, I'm, I'm big into lyrics. I listen to Jackson Brown and. Dylan and all these guys over the years. And one day we were, when you guys were here, I think it was the time of John, yeah, it was when John Cafferty was down. And uh, we were having dinner at Strata West and we were just, you know, talking about songwriting and Cafferty was telling us who his favorite was. And you turned me on, Jason Heath, to uh, Peter Him uh, Himmelman and uh, Ike Riley. Uh, and I got to tell you, yeah. Ike's got to be one of my favorite songwriters <laughs> these days too. Just uh, Mine too. And a good, good friend of yours, uh, obviously. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a dear friend. That's someone I met through Tom. He grew up in the same hometown as Tom Morello. Oh, okay. And then what, what, our early uh, telegenic and, and Greedy Souls guitar player grew up in the same town and was close friends with Ike. We wound up doing a lot of shows with Ike. He was always really generous when we went on tour to take it, let us open up for him. Go, we'd go out there to Chicago and we'd fly out and play clothes, uh, shows out there in our early days. But, yeah, for my money... He might be the best American songwriter there is. Uh, he's, um, he's up there he's with you. He's a great dude, too, and super fun. Yeah, just really, the shows are great. Yeah, the band's incredible. All good people. You know what? 
he just had a documentary. It's, uh, it's really? just uh, yeah, just debuted last week out in uh, somewhere. I think I outside check that of out. uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, so depending on what they where they get distribution when, and that was I believe was executive produced by Morello. So it's a it's a documentary about him. It's pretty fascinating guy and really funny. Oh, I'm looking forward to he's that. Got to be one of the wit- wittiest people I've I've ever met. Well, his virtual shows were hilarious. Like he was like I watched yeah, a lot yeah. of his virtual shows, and he really embraced that and did a great job. In fact, I think I think he still does the odd one, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. yeah, I think he does them every couple of months. Yeah, yeah, he really embraced that. He did a great job with him and his family, and seems like a cool, cool guy. So, you got any other good? Uh, He's a good dude. Any other song raise I should be listening to? <laughs> you know, there's a young kid out of San Diego. His name's Gene Dawson. Oh yeah. You should check him out. He's he's a he's a like a hybrid of pop, rap, and uh, like indie rock alternative, but he plays everything. Goes from fiddles and acoustic guitars to punk to really just really incredible. I mean, I don't know if it's you know it's not very rootsy or anything, but man, he's really really good. Uh, I like all kinds of stuff. I love I love hearing the young guys doing stuff. You got Jake Thistle out there in New Jersey who's just killing it uh, down there. I don't know if you guys follow him, but it's a lot of good young musicians bringing back the, the what i call the good music <laughs> they're they're still uh putting yeah, out some good stuff so it's nice to see the it's, torch it's on the past. rise it you is know, it i really... work work with youth out here in la uh and, and a lot of uh me and jay do here for our organization and it's it's on the rise you know it's like the the, the younger kids grew up on rap because they didn't want to be into what their older brothers right sisters were into and now rap is king and the kids coming up aren't necessarily you know they want to find their own voice so they're they're going back to even kids from like you know the the inner city and are are, are getting into rock like guitars and and, and the hip-hop guys want live music with what they're doing and, it's, it, and there's a little interesting hybrid of music sort of coming up from the streets that's punk hip-hop and rock kind of all mixed up that's cool and you know it's a perfect segue into what i wanted to talk about next was your organization that you're involved in so i'll let you guys talk about jail guitar doors but i just want to tell everybody that it's, you know these these are guys that this is this is what they do they they give of themselves and their talents uh you know not just light a day when i learned and and read up on jail guitar doors i was i was blown away by all you've done with the capo sun so let, let everybody know what you guys do down there with wayne kramer and tom Morello. yeah i'll tell you a little bit about the organization you know the history quickly you know as i mentioned before wayne kramer when i got sober 17 years ago wayne was my sponsor and wayne Wayne had spent from Wayne Kramer from the MC5 had spent some time in in jail in the in the late 70s uh, for creative capitalism, <laughs> and one of the things he had always wanted to do was, uh, you know, because music had saved his life while he was inside, right. was to do something to give back, and, and you know it was always sort of at the back of his mind, you know, how how could I help prisoners because he saw more and more people being locked up for longer and longer time, you know, in our country, you right. know, America incarcerates more people per capita than any other place in, in the world. So either Americans are worse than other people or we just got a problem locking people up. I think it's the latter. 
but but Wayne uh, was on tour with Tom Morello and Billy Bragg and a bunch of people doing this Axis of Justice. Uh, Wayne arranged a concert at Sing Sing. Wow. Uh, Billy Bragg had been working with an organization called Joe Guitar Doors in England, which was a uh, you know, the name of a Clash B side that was about Wayne Kramer, and they would started the organization in uh, memory of Joe Strummer. It was Mick Jones from the Clash and okay. Billy Bragg. Wayne saw the sticker on his guitar, asked him about it. He said, hey, why don't I do the U.S. version of that? And Billy said, great, because I was going to ask you. And Joe Guitar Doors was born, and sort of the model at that time was Wayne asked us pretty quickly, like, hey, you guys want to do this with me? And we said, of course. Sounds like a hoot. Let's go. And so we were going to prisons, and we would do concerts, then Very leave cool. behind instruments for a music program. And that was great. Wow. But we also realized along the way that, you know, writing the songs was kind of where the medicine was at. That's what kept us relatively sane through the years. Uh, what what if we did that? How would we do that? So, we went, all right, let's go down to Men's Central Jail once a week. We'll do a songwriting workshop, and we pick a topic. We take 20 guys, break them up into four or five small little groups, and we pick a topic, write about it an hour and a half, arrange, write and arrange a song, get back together, play it for each other. It was a lot of fun. Wound up uh, catching the eye of a, a doctor at a San Francisco university called, uh, named, uh, uh, Dr. Brewster, okay. Dr. Larry Brewster. And he said, Hey, what you guys are doing is not just fun. It's science. Right. People have access to, uh, arts programming. It reduces recidivism rates. And he did a write up on us. We caught the attention of somebody who came to our workshop and said, Hey, you should bring this to the youth. We said, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And then we started going to the juvenile halls. And uh, learned pretty quickly that, you know, hip-hop was king there. So we started bringing the laptops and getting our rapper friends and producers to come in. Uh-huh. The kids in there all said, this is great. I love doing this. But what about when I get out? When, right. I, get, when I go home, I'm caught up day one. There's nothing in my neighborhood but falling through windows and doors and snatching chains. And right. that's all I'm any good at. So we said, well, all right, we'll put our money where our mouth is. And a friend of ours was the... Uh, music director for the Berlin version of The Voice. Okay. He said, take my demo studio. I'm out of the country six months out of the year. Here's the keys. We maxed that thing out pretty rapidly. <laughs> so we thought, well, let's get, let's open our own studio. Right. Let's rent the, the, the unit right next door to that one. And we'll expand. And then uh, Margaret, our co-founder, said, well, somebody on our board has some property. Let me talk to them. We got this place that we're sitting in now. It's in Hollywood. And uh, we built a state-of-the-art recording studio, a film lab, graphic design. It's oh, awesome. Uh, it's got a performance space, uh, art gallery, classrooms, and a coffee shop in the front. So we have uh, – and essentially what we do is we take the youth that are interested in telling their story, figuring out how they can connect with other people, tell the same stories and uh, change the trajectory that they're on, so give them something else to do besides the crime and the violence. And, you know, most of them will take it because they, they know how it ends. They know how right. the story goes. They're right. going to be dead or in jail if they continue on the path that they're on. So, you know, one in five, one in six jobs in, in Los Angeles is in the entertainment business. So that's what we're trying to do. It's a vocational arts center for youth. That's um, fantastic. And, you know, Jay, to... I'm the program director here, and we built this place. And Jay uh, is a teaching artist, and well, he also does our, on the admin side, the graphic design, a bunch of others. Right, really that's what I figured. We need help in, so I'll let him talk about what he does. 
What do you do, Jay? Yeah, I teach the film and editing program and graphic design, and I've done some music stuff here. But it's it's a magical place, man, and it's kind of amazing how quickly, like we we we're in the middle of a program now called Fresh Tracks, a few weeks into a twelve week program, and it's like a family, like quickly, wow. you know, it's really. It's a beautiful place, and I'm very blessed to be a part of it. It has to be so rewarding. Yeah, the uh, what you know, we we offer songwriting and, and music production and filmmaking, but really, Dave, it's all just a ruse to get kids to open up, right? Talk about what they're going through and connect with other people, For right? Sure. That's no. where the healing is. It's the connection, and you know, every kid that we work with. Told that you know is involved in, in, in gang violence and, and crime. They said, you know, I didn't join a gang because I wanted to be violent. I, I needed protection. I needed a family. Right. I needed camaraderie. Connection. I needed yeah. economic opportunity. And there's nothing else where I come from. Um, and all, a lot, they all said to a man, I didn't choose the gang. The gang chose me. If there was anything else, I'd do it. Really? So, you know, that's so. This gives that's them what the, we offer here. Yeah, it gives them those opportunities. And you never know, you know. You could find that diamond in the rough, that you know, great graphic design, oh, or, and you probably already have. For sure, yeah. There's a lot of talented youth here, for sure. You know, it's funny because um, I think I told you Evan played uh, at a youth hub uh, a few weeks back. A friend of ours connected us with uh, the executive director down at the uh, John Howard Society, and uh, that was. It's, he's a music lover. He's not a musician, and he had seen Evan and. You know, he thought, oh, you know, I should bring a young kid in. And so then the youth, the, the young kids could see, look at this young guy. He's doing this. He's got a little record out and putting out a new album and all this stuff. So he, Evan yeah. went down and played, which was which was cool. And we gave out some of his demo CDs and a couple of the the uh, singles. And uh, a couple of them are actually connecting with Evan on TikTok now and playing his music. Cool. And, you know, he's going to be going back. And it's kind of funny doing a songwriter's workshop. Uh, so it's, it's cool. But what Jay told me was if he could see just, you know, if it helps with just one, if it gets one person out of their situation and helps just one, yeah. then it's worth it. And I, I'm assuming you guys feel that way, right? I mean, it's, if it helps oh, one yeah, or two or three sure. people, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah. Well, we, you, for sure. That would be, one would be success, but we are affecting many more and, and, Awesome. Youth, a lot of youth that come through our program and graduate, we give them internships and we're able to pay them and train them to be teachers, and then we take them back in. Oh, that's so you guys really go with the next mile. Wow. Yeah, so it's a full circle. You know, we, 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 the youth are now going back and, and reaching the other youth with the story that there's something else you can do. So, that's you know, fair. It's growing all the time, and it's, it's really really effective i mean we we want to we want to see all the youth released in in some other form of of uh some other way for treatment and rehabilitation as opposed to incarceration right. but as it stands right now we're the most popular program in in, in the juvenile system and because the kids just love to tell their story and, and make music so well i'm going to connect you with somebody down here because they're very interested in your story and what you guys are doing and wanting to do some stuff cool. here in Canada. So I will connect you with that. Uh, before we go, guys, first of all, it was a lot of fun catching up. I learned a lot about, about you two uh, and the Greedy Souls. But you talked about the new album. What's the name of the new album? And how many songs are we getting? What, what, what's happening with the new album? It's called uh, Thunder Above, Fire Below. 
and we have uh, I think it's ten songs. I think it's ten songs. So. I could check Spotify, but <laughs> I'm using my phone to talk to you. Now, are you uh, going to be releasing yeah, it on Spotify songs. soon, or are you waiting until the fall? Uh, yeah, I, I'm probably looking at August, September release. Okay. Um, depends, depends on where at and what, what ideas they have about releasing it, but uh, we're shooting for around September. Um, but it's 10 songs, and uh, the first single will be called Children, Chains, and Razor Wire, which is about incarcerated youth. Actually, some of the incarcerated youth that I work with sang uh, uh, on the song. Oh, really? How and cool is that? I have a video for and, uh Yeah, there's a lot of really good songs. It's a little bit of a you know, departure for us. We, you know, we sort of got to the point in, in making records where with the sort of root sound, you kind of know exactly, you know, that's where the mandolin goes. That's where the right. B3 right, goes. Right, that's right. Where, nothing wrong with that, but myself, I was getting a little bored with it. So I thought, I'm going to, you know, like David Bowie, you know, I saw an interview where he said, you know, you, you got to find that place where you just, you know, where your feet can't touch the bottom and you feel a little unsafe. And then that's kind of where you make your, you do your best work. So, I thought, let's do some stuff that, you know, we had started to do on other records, but using more synthesizers, bigger production. Right. So we didn't use any uh, vintage organs or anything. Like that it was all synths that Jay played, and I did some programming, and I had some hip-hop producers. Really? This would be cool. And, oh, so, you know, we didn't go too far. We kept it so we could reproduce it live. Right. But we definitely, you know, took a different direction, I think. Uh, some may not like it, but... We dig it. Uh, we're going. I know. And we're going even further with that stuff on the next ones. Really? So now that is that the influence of Morello and the guys you, you're with down there? Or? I think it's just probably organic. You know, working right. on so much hip hop and in in modern music with people and doing like I think I just got used to hearing things a certain way and it right. just kind of crept into what I was doing. Um, Makes total sense. But you know, like I said, it's not over the top. We're still a rock and roll band, but. Oh, that'll be. You'll be the judge. Yes. I know we're going to love it. There's nothing you guys do that I wouldn't like, but uh, uh, obviously you'll be, you'll be able to debut a few of those songs if you come down here in October. So, uh, really looking forward Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Now, before you go, I have to share this. I have to. It, it, it passed about three pages ago on my notes here, but I still want to bring it up. I, when we talked about songwriters and sharing music one time we were at the, uh, upstairs at the elma combo and uh, you guys were sitting there on the couch and we i don't know we, we were waiting for food or something at sammy's place and we started talking about uh we started talking about different music and canadian music and um kim mitchell was supposed to come down and actually MC the show and we were talking and i'm like wow you really he's gonna he's gonna guest MC. this is cool we got and you looked and you went who Who's Kim Mitchell? I'm like, who's Kim Mitchell? How do you not know Kim Mitchell? Max Webster. And you go, who's Max Webster? And I'm like, okay, you, you must have heard the song Go For Soda. And I've never seen somebody laugh that hysterically like you I peed yourself. You pulling my leg. I remember that. I thought you were pulling my leg. <laughs> Who would write a song called Go For a Soda? A. Eh? <laughs> and so, I, I, it turns out it's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. It's a great song. Yeah, because I think I sent you the CD one day. I said you got it. You have to have this. I yeah. mean, that's a little piece of Canadian. I, I never recall ever hearing of him or that song, but it's 
great song and he's super talented, but I just, I thought for sure you were pulling <laughs> Please, please share some of that Canadian <laughs> music with your fellow Californians. That was a, that was a funny story. I just remember you, you, we, that was a joke for years on end afterwards. Cause you just, you just laughed hysterically yeah. about that. So Kim, if you're listening out there, take a listen to Jason, Ethan, the greedy souls, a uh, great band from California. Great song, Once Kim. laughed at you, but they appreciate you now. Well, guys, I know you guys are you're busy. You got lots to do, and uh, I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your busy day and chatting up with Dan. And we Dave. appreciate you, Dave. Thanks for having us. Wow, we appreciate all you guys do for for us, but obviously what you do for the youth of your community. And uh, you guys got great big hearts. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, thanks for all you do for us, my friends. All right, brother. Take care. We'll see you soon. We'll talk soon because we got to talk light of day, so we will talk soon. Say hi to the rest of the band. All right, brother. Okay, guys. All right, Ciao. say hey to Ab. I will. Thanks, man. Absolutely. All the best, All right, boys. Bro. Ciao. Bye, Dave. Take care, guys. Well, guys, that was uh, some of my favorites. Uh, Jason Heath and Jason Federici. We meet a lot of good people um, through light of day. I always said there's a, there's a that commonality that you see amongst the artists, uh, big hearts, uh, Great artists, big hearts, and uh, they do they do a lot, and they they lend uh, their talents and their time to different organizations, not just Light of Day. But I've met so many nice people, and honestly, uh, not just because they were on the show, but uh, these guys are two of my favorites. They're they're just great guys, and honestly, one of my favorite songwriters of all time. I said that last week. Yes, I did about Joe Grzecki because he is. But uh, Jason Heath, man, can he write a song? So you know, flip on over to Spotify and. Uh, you know, listen to Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. I'm sure once you do, you're going to want to buy the record. So head over to their website, jasonheathandthegreedysouls.com, and or go to Amazon, pick up their music. It's fantastic, and they will be back. Because if uh, if nothing else, uh, I know the Greedy Souls will make it all the way up to Niagara Falls for like a day 13 to keep their streak going. Uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks, Jason and Jason, for taking the time. You guys are great. Next week, we're here at a different time. We're here on a Wednesday, not a Tuesday, and we're at 6.30 to accommodate the Prince of Asbury Park, my American son, adopted American son, Bobby Mahoney, from New Jersey with my special guest host that night, his protege, Evan Rotel. I want to thank our sponsor for the month of May and now for the month of June. He's having such a good time listening to these podcasts and hearing his name that uh, he wanted to keep it going. So Lupo's Little Italy out there on Morrison Street in the Canadian Tire parking lot. Look for the, the beautiful food truck designed by Tanima Creative, by the way, uh, and uh, pick up one of their unbelievable meals. Their sandwiches are incredible. Seriously, the best veal sandwich I think I've ever had. Uh, but, you know, don't trust me. Try it yourself because you can get 15% off your next online purchase go to www.luposlittleitaly.com it's italy not italy.com and uh, you'll get 15 percent off if you type in greedy souls into the uh, promotional code area on your checkout you'll get 15 percent off all week until next week and when we change the code for the next band so pass that on go uh, help out a great great uh, Niagara Falls restaurant, uh, well, not, not a restaurant, but a uh, great place to eat, and uh, he's a great guy. Thank you, John Franco, for your sponsorship. Really appreciate it. Don't forget, you can catch all of our shows on Spotify now. Just search Just Around the Corner. We also have some playlists out there. Uh, I'm sure you can search around and find. You'll see here some of the music that I've been playing when I do the interviews, and, of course, from my songs Around the Corner that I do every fourth show. 
so check that out and also here on 4680q.com because Danima, who's a sponsor, has been taking care of updating the site. So most of the podcasts are completely up to date, including my own. Thanks again, Jason and Jason, for joining us. Uh, when you last played here in 2018, you dedicated this next song uh, to the players of Humboldt Broncos. Uh, there was a tragic in 2008, uh, 18, I should say, there was a tragic bus uh, accident, and uh, a number of uh, the players from the Humboldt Broncos, most of them passed away, including a, a coach and a few others, and it was just, it was tragic. It really hit Canada, and these boys, they did their homework, and they and they got big hearts, and so they knew that, and uh, uh, they played this song uh, that I'm going to play next uh, in the show, and over the years, uh, we've dedicated this song. I know Evan's played it uh, for Alex Louie excuse me, and for uh, our pal uh, Frankie Spatz. And these guys, they fought the good fight. Unfortunately, you know, I don't like to say they lost because they didn't. They won. They beat, they, they beat the hell out of cancer. In the end, it took them, but not after a great fight. And uh, today is actually, I mentioned it earlier, uh, my wife reminded me this morning, the six-month anniversary of my father-in-law passing. So... I'd like to play this in honor of Enzo Nave. This one's called Fighter's Lullaby from the album Pact for Exile, the second one we played from Pact for Exile. Here's Jason Heath and the Greedy Souls. We'll see you next week. This one's for you, Mr. Nave. Enjoy every sandwich, folks. Come down beside the water still no that there's a city on a hill Don't feel what you hear It's distant from the sound Just come to
Sing.